Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. Hi everybody, I am sick today. Last Sunday I told you I was getting a cold. Well, I got the cold. It hit me hard. It's not just an ordinary cold. I'd be there. It's it, you know, it's the chest, it's the throat, it's the head, and and the coughing that keeps uh, both Glenn and I have it keeps us up at night. And uh, I can stand up here today in person and hack away for twenty minutes, and you might find that entertaining, but I don't think so. So I'm going to share with you the message today via video, and I want to begin by telling you that change is difficult. We know that there are changes you want to make in your life, and the good changes you understand the need for these changes, but we also know it's very difficult. And um, there's a reason for that because we, well, let me show you this. Let me do this. Take, put your arms out like this and fold your, fold your arms. Now, I want you to note what arm is on top. For me, it's my right one and my left one's underneath. That's how I've been folding my arm for 61 years. Now, I want you to take your arms out again. Hold them out. Everybody do it. Look around, make sure people are doing it. And this time, I want you to switch arms where you, the one you had on top is on the bottom. The one that was on the bottom is now on the top. So... You go like this, and it's not very comfortable. It's awkward. Doesn't it feel awkward? Because for all your life, you've been taking the path of least resistance and just doing it the way that you've always done it. It's it's the pattern. It's the habit. And when you're asked to change, it's kind of difficult. Well, in a lot of ways, that's what change is like in our lives. We want to make something uh, better. We want to improve on it. But we find it a challenge, and not just the change, but to sustain the change, to, you know, not just make the change, but to have it keep going on and on and on um, is hard. Would it, would it surprise you that most gym memberships, gym memberships are sold in the month of January? I don't think it surprises you because most people at the beginning of the year want to make this uh, proclamation. I want to have better health. It's a good decision. And so they join a gym. But statistics telling us that by six months later, half the people quit. They, 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 they want to make the change, but they can't sustain the change. And Time Magazine points to estimates um, that as many as 80% of the people fail to keep their New Year's resolution into February. So you make a decision in January, but February, 80% of the people have stopped. They quit. They couldn't sustain it. And only 8% of the people stick with it <clears throat> the entire year. So change is hard. Sustaining change is hard, even harder probably. And uh, we are in the second week called Reset, where we want to make changes in our life. We want to reset some things in our lives, in our relationships, our finances, our health, our relationship with God. And I mentioned last week how when computers get, computers get clogged up, um, when there's too much stuff going on, and they slow down, and they're sluggish, and you see that frustrating wheel spinning and spinning and the computer's trying to tell you, I'm trying to process everything you're giving me, but it's just too much. And I think your computer is a Trekkie because it sounds like this. I just can't do it, Captain. I'm doing it. Well, computer, when it slows down, when it's overwhelmed, when it's confused, we can just hit the reset button, remove all the clutter, and just start again, fresh, new. But our life, um, it isn't that easy in our life. We don't come with a reset button. And the changes we want to make um, are hard. And sustaining the changes we want to make are even 
harder, but we must change because our goal is to live a life that's improving, that's uh, growing, especially as believers in Christ. We are called to grow in our faith. We're called to mature in our faith. Uh, one verse that talks about this is Ephesians 4. It says, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature. Again, we will be. We're growing mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. The reason why we find change so difficult and making the decisions that will last the changes that we make, that they will continue, is because we go at it the wrong way. Because in making changes, there's a three-step process. It's a pathway, and there are three things that affect us and we want to make change, but we go at it backwards. We start at the final step and go to the second step and to the first step, when really the Bible teaches us that we need to start, obviously, at the first step then the second step before we experience the change that we want to make in our life. So let me represent these three steps by these boxes. The, the third box is called what I do. And this is where the actual change that we want to make is found. This represents our behaviors. And it, it represents our actions that we want to change. Uh, but the problem is we begin here. Remember I told you we start at the wrong spot? We begin here with determination and willpower. That I will make this change. I'm going to get through it. But we don't. I mean, most of us don't. And I'm going to use the word hands here to represent this box because this talks about our actions. This is the actual doing and making, having the change happen uh, in, these, in this uh, change process. And we'll often fail to make needed changes in our life when we begin here because we're ignoring the very first two steps, which are key to lasting change. And so the very first one, so this is the third one, the very first one, I'm going to bounce to that one, is called what I think. This is what's happening in my mind. This is my thoughts. This is what I'm thinking. And I'm going to use the word head here for obvious reasons because our mind, our thoughts, we, we refer to our our head, God's given us an amazing thing called the brain and consciousness and thoughts. And our thoughts are powerful, which we're going to talk about a little later. Now, what's missing, we have the, the third step of, of uh, what I do. First step here is what I think. And the middle between these two is this box, this step, what I feel. And that talks about what's happening in my heart. Because in my heart is where my passion is found. It's where my desire is found. And passion and desire motivate us more than anything else. We can be guilted into something, feel like we're obligated to do something. But we want to do something, we get there. We get it done. And I'm going to use the word heart here because this is the, this is the step that um, involves the heart. So just to review, the process of lasting change goes like this. It begins in my mind and the thoughts I'm allowing to dwell upon here, which then leads to how I feel to my heart, which motivates me and affects me um, and uh, is my desire and passion, which will then go out and influence actually what I do, the mind, the heart, and the hands. But give, let me give you an example. That's my help. Let's, um, let, let's, let's say if I allow angry thoughts into my mind, how am I going to feel? I'm thinking angry stuff up here. I'm playing it over and over again. How am I going to feel here? Angry. And if I think angry and I feel angry, how am I going to behave? Angrily. See, to get it, it's, it's, it's really, um, makes sense when you think about it. 
It'd be very difficult and I think impossible to start and say, I'm going to change my behavior by being less angry without first addressing me what's going in my mind, what I'm thinking about, and which affects how I feel. How can we make a decision to change anger if we're still thinking about it and feeling that? So that's why it's important that we follow these three steps. So the Bible teaches us this over and over again. There's one verse that's very, uh, very simple to the point in Proverbs 23, 7. It says, for as he thinks in his heart, so he is. So there, there's a whole progression again that we just talked about. Think as he thinks, his heart, that determines what happens. So he is, he is. That's his being, that's his actions, that's his behavior. Here's another one. Guys, we'll get this. If, um, if I'm, if I'm allowing lustful thoughts to dwell in my mind, how do you think I'm going to feel? Lustful. And if I am full of lustful emotions, desires, and passions, there's a much better chance I will act out on these lustful feelings. Or, you know, ladies sometimes struggle with fantasy thoughts. You know, they, they fantasize. And if you have those filling your mind, then how, what's going to happen in your heart? How are you going to feel? What are you, what's, what's your desire and passion? It will, you know, that's where your desire is found. And when you're thinking it and you're feeling it, it's much easier to follow through and act on your desire. Um, someone might tell you, if someone's caught in an affair, they might tell you, it just happened. Like, well, I don't know, it just happened. No, it didn't. And no, it didn't. It didn't just happen out of nowhere. It was already happening in their heart. And the lust or the fantasy was living in their heart because they were thinking and dwelling and playing it in their thoughts and minds. Because for as he thinks in his heart, so he is. Head, heart, hands. Um, what he allows in his head, that's what's happening in his heart, which will translate into what will happen in his actions, his hands. So here's another one. Um, you want to experience perfect peace in a very chaotic world. And the Bible tells you how you can do this, believe it or not. In Isaiah, it says you, he's talking to God, God, you'll keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. Now listen to this, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. And perfect peace is more than just that temporary absence of conflict or turmoil in our life. This is talking about something much deeper. It's talking, it involves the all-encompassing wholeness. Um, you know, even when we are uh, finding uh, ourselves amid uh, distraction or trouble, um, we can have this peace. It, it goes, you know, it goes into every deep corner and, and crevice of our, our, of our, you know, of our hearts and where fear and anxiety want to live and uh, inhabit. And it doesn't, um, you know, but we can change that because how we, we know, we think our thoughts on God, we can feel differently than what the world is telling us to feel. We feel the way that God would have us to feel and we'll have peace. It doesn't mean, you know, this is always going to prevent trials in our life. It doesn't. It doesn't mean we'll never face challenges. We will. But the peace of God will sustain you through them because you think about it. Your thoughts are on God. It's in your hearts. It's how you feel. And it, and it translates into what you do and how you live. So our thoughts are very, very powerful. They direct what we do. And so we, we got to begin here, not at the third thing saying, I want to change what I do. We have to begin with how and what I think on. 
And the Bible teaches that. It tells us we take hold of every thought and make it to obey Christ. That means we take every thought and we bring it under the authority and control of Jesus. We need to bring our thoughts under the authority and control of Christ. Because this is where it begins. If we can, we can get it settled here, then we'll have it settled here. And we'll have it settled out here. But it begins here in our mind. What takes place in our mind is so powerful, it will influence how we live our life. In fact, when God um, talks to us in his word about not conforming to this world, to the patterns of this world, to, you know, the easy things, the peace of the you know, the things that come, we just seem to fall into and want to do, but we need to change, uh, change. Uh, says, if you, I, to be transformed, he tells us how to do that. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing how? The way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I told you last week, um, one of the ways that I, I, you know, have the right thoughts into my mind is I read a lot of God's Word, of devotionals which talk about God's Word. I listen to messages and sermons and teachings. And sometimes I'll watch things. As I shared one video last week, a lady who was in 27 seconds really challenged um, us in our reading the Bible. This week, I was I came across another video that I was actually, this is not a Christian station, a channel, but it was a young man interviewing people on the street, and he was just asking them about their financial situation, um, how they handle finances, do they have any advice about finances, and this young man's interviewing these people, and there's this one guy that, he's, that he interviews, I'm going to play for you here, his name is Paul, and I, I like Paul. First of all, I like him, you know, I, I admire him because he lives in Newport, California, which is a beautiful beach in, in Southern California. I've been there a couple of times. Glenda, Glenda and I actually hung out on the beach there one afternoon. It's a wonderful place. Um, it's a desired place to live in California. Secondly, Paul is 80 years old and the guy looks amazing. Um, he's 80 years old. He looks great. And I admire him thirdly because um, you can tell that he loves to invest and he has strategy to invest. And, you know, he loves to um, not be live a life of mediocrity, but to be um, uh, purposeful and strategic and how he uses his finances. And he's done well for himself. You can tell that. But the thing I admire most about him is his philosophy towards his finances and the purpose his finances play in his life. So watch this clip. It's really good. My name is Paul. I'm uh, going to be 80 years old and I'm in real estate investments. First of all, you look fantastic for being 80. Thank you. Do you have any advice for anyone that wants to get into real estate investing? Yeah, get into real estate investments. Is it the best thing you've ever done? Yeah, you know, real estate is the ideal investment. I-D-E-A-L. I is for income. D is for depreciation. E is for equity buildup. A is for appreciation. And L is for leverage. There's no other investment that offers all of those. Do you depreciate your properties? Oh, yes. Accelerated depreciation? Yeah, yeah right. What's your philosophy on giving back and charity? First of all, uh, I believe that God owns everything and we're just stewards. And so our family uh, believes in giving while we're living. So we're knowing where it's going and we only accumulate wealth in order to give it away. And so hopefully uh, by the time God takes me home, we've given it all away. 
That's that's amazing. That's the goal. And actually, giving is more fulfilling than accumulation. Most schools teach people how to accumulate wealth, but not how to deploy it for good and for high impact. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. So you can tell that Paul's thinking on finances is not following the patterns of the world. He's not living the way the world tells you how to live. Make as much as you can and keep it. Use it for yourself. But obviously, he's been renewed in his mind and transformed where his whole philosophy on life is different and, and, and philosophy on, on, on finances are different than what we generally encounter. He said, um, first of all, we know God's influenced him because he says God owns everything. He is the owner. I'm just a steward. I'm just, I'm just using faithfully what he has already trusted me with. And he views his money as not something to hoard and to keep for himself, but how can he use this to impact the lives of others while he's still alive? Because he knows I can't take my money with me. This is not, this is not a, this money is not that, that salvation issue. This is something I have a tool I can use and I'm going to use it while I'm alive. And so Paul's mind obviously been renewed and his life has been transformed. So I really admire his philosophy and thinking towards finances because we all might say, I want to be more generous. Well, how do you do that? Well, start, how, what do you think? Do you listen to what God says about money and that will motivate you and give you the desire to be more generous. So how do we do that? How do we renew our minds? If our minds are so powerful, if it begins here, how do we align our thoughts with God's thoughts? Well, the answer is not going to surprise you because it hasn't changed since the uh, beginning of the Bible to today. Uh, we align our thoughts with God's thoughts by reading his thoughts, by reading his word, hearing his word. Um, this is the Bible's where you encounter God's thinking, what he, you, what he gives you, what he wants you to think about. And, and it's recorded there and you can listen to it. You can read it and fill your mind with it. Cause then it, when you do that, it changes how you feel. Now it changes how you feel and, and motivates you, gives you different desires to accomplish what you want to accomplish. So here we are. We're at the beginning of a new year. It's common for us to identify these actions we want to change in our life. We make resolutions saying, I will act and behave differently than some manner. Um, I'll make resolutions about changing. Uh, my health or my finances or my relationships or my disciplines, or I want to pray more, I want to read more of the word. And the struggle is not just in making the change, but in sustaining that change, that desired change. We resolve we want to change our behavior, but in short time we find ourselves going back to what is easy. And we need to change. So it has to begin in our mind. So we talked about uh, lust, we talked about um, anger, we talked about our finances, and one area that many of us will struggle, and I will confess I struggle in this area as well, is the area of our attitude. I look at the Israelites back in the Old Testament when God led them out of Egypt, and he's with them, he's sustaining them, he's supplying them, he's guiding them, he's directing them, he's helping them to defeat their enemies, and yet they're whining so much. They're whining. There's always something wrong. And I, you know, I just, I just, I don't like that. And probably because I see that myself sometimes when there's so much things you can focus on, which are good and great. And you got to choose to focus on the negative. And so I got to realize I have to change my thinking. And the Bible tells us in Philippians 4, 8. And now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. So Paul's writing to the church in Philippi. He goes, this is the final thing I want you to know. Get this. Write this down. Or be quiet. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Not what's false. And what is honorable and what is right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy 
of praise. You do that, it's going to affect how you feel and how you behave. Um, I hope you don't leave here today and forget this because all of us want to make changes. We need to improve. I hope we want to improve in our life and our relationship with God. But it doesn't just happen because they want to. We have to begin here in the mind. We need to read the word, hear the word, and have it fill our mind because there's so many other things out there that want to take that place and want to, you know, speak into your mind. And once we allow God to fill our mind and we ponder on him, meditate on his word, um, it affects our heart and how we feel, and our desires, and our motivation to do what we need to do. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for this pattern. Thank you, God, that you recognize the difficulty we have in making changes that we want to make and sustaining those changes. And God, thank you that you talked to us about your, our mind. You've given us this mind. It's a gift. And God, we have a choice what we think upon. And the mind's so powerful because what we think upon is going to affect how we feel. We just can't ignore it. And how we feel will affect how we behave. So God, I pray that we will choose, we will desire, we will seek every day to meditate on your word, to read your word, to hear your word, to ponder your word, that it will fill our minds, God, to the place where it affects how we feel and how we be, and which will then affect how we behave and act in life. Um, God, this is a choice you've given us. Thank you for that, allowing us to know this truth today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at the gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.